2: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, USBets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our Senior Analyst, Pulitzer Prize Finalist, John Brennan. And we are recording this episode on Thursday, July 30th, which happens to be my 45th birthday. So, happy birthday to me. I wasn't born the same year as The Wire Act, like some co-hosts of this show, uh, but I was born the same year that the greatest song ever written, Thunder Road, came out. So that's something, at least. Uh, Anyway, John, please make me feel good about getting old by completing this sentence. 45 is the new blank.
1: (laughs) Well, I got to say Thunder Road, Eric. I I come so close to a great story there that I'm going to tell it anyway. Okay. Um, Born to Run was recorded by Mr. Springsteen just north of New York City about five years before my posse and I became the secondary late-night legends of the Blauvelt Diner, uh, the fabled 24-hour eatery about three miles north of my home that each of us claimed as our own after nights of creativity on Bruce's part and debauchery on ours, and maybe Bruce earned both descriptions. I'm not sure. Um, But unfortunately, Bruce uh, farmed out the rest of the album, including Thunder Road, to a boring Manhattan studio. But still, (laughs) um, as far as turning 45, well, it's the new... Uh, hell if you don't carefully observe the mantra of use it or lose it so trust me on that
2: okay all right <laughs> not quite the uh the encouraging uh, answer i was looking for but uh but I'll, I'll i'll still take it and uh you know i come to this from the perspective uh of among the two podcasters here of i'm the guy who's hitting 45 you're the guy who's been through it so uh you know you i figure if anyone uh, has some pearls of wisdom on how to spend the back half of my uh, of my 40s it's you
1: I I got to be blunt it's not it's not pretty.
2: <laughs> no, yeah. I mean look, it's been all downhill physically for me since about 23, really. I I think I think everything, you know, there's always something going wrong uh, a little bit every year since then. Uh but mentally I'm I'm holding up. Okay. I'm maybe a little slower sometimes to think of the word I'm looking for than I was in my 20s and uh and I definitely have this one problem where I open up a new tab in my web browser And if I don't start typing immediately, I'll forget why I opened a new tab. Uh, But but for for the most part, though, I'll say age is just a number. Yeah, get used to all that. (laughs) Well, speaking of numbers, uh, this is episode number 102 of Gamble On, and we thank you for joining us. If you missed any of our previous 101 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. In recognition of my birthday, please give us a five-star rating. It'll be the cheapest birthday present you ever had to get anyone.
1: Yeah, and Eric, coming up a little later in the show, we're going to be joined by semi-pro sports bettor and NBC Sports Philadelphia betting analyst Brad Feinberg. Uh, He's going to talk about the sudden glut of sports to bet, Uh, hard for us to believe still. Uh, We're going to get Brad's insights on the NBA, NHL, MLB. We'll even talk about our optimism or maybe lack thereof for the NFL season. Uh, But first, it's been a curious news week in the world of gambling, so let's get to it.
0: Here's your Gamble On
1: News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
2: We start the news segment in Illinois, a state that we all anticipated becoming one of the great sports betting states. But for now, it's simply one of the messiest. You may recall that several weeks ago, Governor J.B. Pritzker issued an executive order waiving the in-person registration requirement for a mobile sports betting account, allowing people in Illinois to register remotely. But more recently, he decided to end that temporary allowance effective midnight this past Sunday night slash Monday morning forcing bettors to register at brick-and-mortar locations during a pandemic just as sports are starting back up again and before any mobile sports book other than Bet Rivers has been able to launch yet. There was wide speculation that this was a political move, that the casino interests that didn't want DraftKings and FanDuel in the state were pulling the strings here. Meanwhile, the Illinois Gaming Board suddenly changed its allowances about betting on certain sports as... PGA Tour, NASCAR, Korean Baseball, and some off brand soccer leagues were no longer approved for betting. This one is even harder to figure out the reasoning behind, especially when you consider that NASCAR and PGA are fairly mainstream betting sports. John, we've seen a lot of states pass sports betting legislation, but then screw it up in the implementation. Tennessee has arguably been the biggest cluster F over the past year or so, but where do you now rate Illinois on that scale? And do you see this as a temporary annoyance or a sign that long-term Illinois is a state where the infighting and politics are going to continually limit the growth of sports betting?
1: Well, you know, Illinois has always been an underrated state in terms of the challenge of, well, getting anything done. Um, mm-hmm. A certain real estate mogul I used to deal with regularly, who now resides occasionally in our nation's capital, um, he once told me the toughest place to do business were New Jersey, Rhode Island, Louisiana. And Illinois. Uh, lots of hands out, shall we say. Uh, now, my favorite part of this fiasco, though, is the PGA Tour ban. Um, you know, States have been collecting millions in revenue for mostly dismal events because of the demand built up both by the golfers who want to play any event and the bettors who want to bet on anything. Um, and now we kick off an unprecedented series of mega events in the next year. And in a line, I can't legally bet on it for now. Um, this stinks to high heaven, frankly. And once this malodorous bridge has been crossed, I don't see why it can't start to stink even more. So I'm not optimistic.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I just have no idea what to make of, of the limited sports menu here. And yeah, it would one, be one thing if they just removed some of the off-brand leagues and the Korean baseball or whatever. Yeah. But NASCAR and PGA, it says to me that the Illinois Gaming Board doesn't have its act together uh, on this. Um, as far as the the bigger picture of the the politics there, I think eventually, you know, sometime three months from now, six months from now, 12 months from now, I'm not sure DraftKings and FanDuel are going to be fully up and running in Illinois, and then the political wrangling will be in the past. And at that point, Illinois will fulfill its potential as one of the biggest sports betting states, I think. Uh, it's mostly just this annoying back and forth throughout the lead-up and, and continuing right up until whenever the Riverside has lost this fight, which at some point it will. And, uh, and I just have to say that even Rivers gets hurt here in the short term by, by this executive order ending, you know, when, it, sure, whenever DraftKings and FanDuel launch, it's, it's bad for them forcing in-person registration at their relatively remote brick and mortar facilities. But, you know, right now sports are starting back up. People in Illinois are going to be looking to start mobile betting accounts. They had one option to do so through Sunday and now they have none. And so that that's bad for bet rivers too.
1: Uh, the whole thing's a fiasco. And as you said, I, I, I don't think anybody's gotten to the bottom of exactly why they're doing all of these things. Right. But um, it's just uh, again, it's one of those states where uh, there's always somebody in the back room with a deal to make and uh, politicians who are willing to come out and 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 tout them in spite of how illogical they may be.
2: Yeah. Uh, You know, one one more example to add to the list of. Why can't all states be like New Jersey? And not that New Jersey is perfect, but <laughs> but constantly we're seeing other states are, are are not doing things as well as New Jersey does.
1: Uh, yeah, it is funny though, isn't it? Because I, as I mentioned, uh, New Jersey is one of those states hard to do business in. Right. But uh, with uh, when it comes to uh, sports betting and and really any expansion of legal regulated gambling, for some reason they get that one right.
2: Yep. All right, moving on to another state, Massachusetts uh, has long been on our short list of states. They could conceivably be next in line to legalize sports betting, and the largest state in New England remains on that list after an eventful, if ultimately unfruitful, week. On Wednesday, the Massachusetts House approved an economic development bill that included the legalization of sports betting. There were amendments to be considered as it moved to the Senate, and there was uncertainty over whether DraftKings, FanDuel, and other mobile-only operators would be permitted – for now, it's all moot, as late Wednesday night, the Senate removed the sports betting items from the larger package. State Senator Michael Rodriguez, chairman of the Senate Ways and Means Committee, said as he spoke on the Senate floor Wednesday night, as it relates to sports gaming, sports wagering, I believe that certainly the time is close when we are going to be tackling this issue, but the time is not now, nor is this the proper vehicle to do so in, One other important subplot to point out here, this latest version of the bill includes the sports leagues sharing directly in the profits from sports betting. So in Massachusetts, the dreaded integrity fee notion is not dead. Uh, in any case, any hope for sports betting le- legislation will now wait until the fall. Is that a good thing, John? W- would this have been a rush job to get it done this week? And are they better off sorting out all the issues and waiting a couple of months?
1: Yeah, I swear I try to be a cockeyed optimist, but Massachusetts just has never inspired me that way on on sports betting. There's always been something in the water there, too. Um, And any bill that connects a sports league's cut to the result of games seems ripe for lawsuits to me. I mean, the books are going to make $5 million if the Red Sox lose their series-deciding playoff game, but then the commissioner's office decides to suspend a star player on the other team because of an offensive tweet the day before. Mm, That doesn't look so good, does it? Um, I know this stinks to high heaven, and I'll believe this bill passed when it passes. I'm not uh, optimistic.
2: Okay. Uh, Well, I saw a quote from uh, Brendan Bussman of Global Market Advisors who was just saying that this bill in its form as presented this week was not strong, was not going to maximize the market opportunity. So, uh, If if, if he's right about that, uh, I think it's definitely better uh, you know, to, to wait to get all the interested parties, DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, the local sports teams, etc., on the same page, hopefully not have any kind of fees for the league in there. Uh, but get it, get it right. I mean, time is not of the essence right now in sports betting in general and in Massachusetts. At this point, you're not going to get actual sports betting up and running in 2020, no matter what. So, you know, I think a reasonable goal is to pass something in the fall and try to have mobile sports books operating by football season 2021. Uh, but it sounds from uh, from your position like uh, you you would say that's overly optimistic to even expect them to get something done in the fall.
1: yeah, I, I spent enough time in Trenton and New Jersey to know that you know the way these things work on kind of an obscure topic like sports betting and let's face it, if you' put your head uh, put your mind in the head of a legislator. I mean, this is not the one of the top 1,000 issues to him, <laughs> no. right, or her? Not right so, now, especially. Um, yeah. So they don't, and especially, of course, so they don't know anything about it. So they start with a blank slate, and then their lobbyists, in this case, you know, swarming the state capitol. And uh, I can tell you, if you if you walk through any state house and you see legislators, you will literally see the lobbyists kind of grab the elbow. Uh, well, Pre-COVID, anyway, <laughs> uh, of, of a legislator, and, and kind of corner them and explain to them, this is what you need to do. This is why you need to do it, and this is how you'll benefit, you know, uh, financially when you do it. And that's just how it works, and and it's very obvious here. I mean, uh, there's no question that these states, if they want to have legal-regulated gambling, and most of them do, then they should just pass it. And um, they should figure out what's the most effective way to do it, and then go from there, and maybe get a little bit of uh, background from lobbyists on uh, you know, maybe things to consider. That's fine. That's not how it works. How it works is that they're told exactly what to do, then they try to do it, then the other lobbyists come in and try to prevent it, and then you get this logjam, which for many uh, people in power, the logjam is the the status quo is is the win. So all you need to do, you don't have to win the day, you just have to delay the day. That's right. kind of what's happening here, so it's just a complete fuster
0: muck I think you said. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: All right, great insights there. All right, uh we we end the news segment with some June handle and revenue talk and after covering the East Coast the last couple of weeks, we now move out west. In Colorado, month 2 sports betting handle was up 49% over month 1. And for the second month in a row, table tennis was the most popular betting sport in the state. Uh, $38.1 million in total wagers uh, resulted in $2.18 million in revenue for the books and $217,000 in taxes for Colorado. So things seem to be moving in the right direction in Colorado just before major sports return. Not so in Nevada. There, the sports books in June had their first losing month in seven years since July 2013. But there's a catch. The books came out ahead on baseball, basketball, and, quote, other sports, and just a little bit behind on hockey. But they lost big on football. The reason? With casinos reopened, bettors who won bets on the Super Bowl or other futures several months ago finally were able to cash the tickets they've been sitting on. So it's not really that the books lost this month. It's that they won less back in February than we thought. Also, we should note total gaming revenue in the state for June, with the casinos back open, was down 45.5% from June of 2019. No big shock there, uh, with the Strip falling more than downtown Las Vegas and downtown Las Vegas falling more than casinos in other parts of the state that rely less on tourists. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on the growth in Colorado or the end of a seven-year winning streak for Nevada Sportsbooks?
1: Oh yeah, I think the headline of the books having a losing month is great for uh, the books. Uh, you know, yeah. casual bettors would think they can beat the house. They're going to walk right into that one. See the headline? Oh wow! You know, we can win. We can do it. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not going to win in the long run unless you're an expert. Um, so you know, enjoy it as a. Uh, a casual uh, bit of fun, but uh, don't expect to uh, get rich on it. Um I've been to Colorado many times, including that airport that a fabled local sports columnist there once told me that, um, you know, if only their new landing spot that opened in the 1990s, uh, it'd be the best airport in the world. If only it was located anywhere near, you know, Denver. But right. um, you know, it's like 50 miles away. But still, mm. it's a nice airport. Um, and it's such an outdoorsy state. So I'm kind of shocked to picture Coloradoans or whatever they call themselves. Uh, you know, sitting home watching a live feed of a ping pong match. I, I think some of the residents must be ashamed by this news.
2: Yeah, you know it's funny. You don't you don't think of uh, Colorado as the ideal ping pong betting state, but uh, but for for whatever reason they're uh, they're they're doing it. And I think whether you're an outdoorsy state or an indoorsy state, uh, you know the the interest in sports betting is is going to be there. Um, and the the ease to do it, whether you you could have your phone on you while you're climbing a mountain somewhere and get a bet in, I suppose. So uh, I guess that's uh, that's one thing some Coloradoans or Coloradans or whatever they're called might be doing. Doing. um as far as as far as vegas you know sad to see a 7 year winning streak end on a technicality during a pandemic uh but uh it also got me thinking How big would my winning ticket need to be to get me to go to Vegas right now and cash it in? You know, I'd have to get on an airplane, which is somewhat risky, and go through two airports. Uh, I'd have to get in an Uber from the airport to the casino. You know, I I would certainly wear a mask everywhere, and I'd try to do it all at off-peak hours, but... I'm just saying you know, add the cost of a plane ticket, maybe the cost of a hotel room unless I'm just in and out in a single day. um you know now it's a different story if I am a better who lives in California and I'm driving into Vegas to cash my ticket then then I might consider anything of like five hundred dollars or more to be worthwhile but uh mm. for for my particular situation to make the trip from Philly, I'm thinking it would have to be at least. To 2k maybe 3k to make it worthwhile i guess more likely i'd i'd fedex the ticket to uh to donnie peters or something a uh, guy in las vegas <laughs> and ask him to cash it for me uh but I, anyway i thought it was a fun thought experiment in the wake of all these people finally cashing their super bowl winners
1: yeah i i think i would do it for 1k but you know partly with- would probably be to get some airline miles and some uh, Marriott points so uh (laughs) that factors in some it gets a little gets me a little bit closer to your uh, minimum there (laughs) it's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling let's get to the gamble on interview
2: With the NBA returning Thursday, the NHL returning over the weekend, and MLB hopefully continuing to play in the days ahead, fingers crossed on that one, we have a lot of sports and sports betting to talk about right now. So it is a great pleasure to welcome back to the podcast for his third Gamble On appearance, one of our favorite serious sports bettors and a man who is also making his mark in sports gambling media. Brad Feinberg. Brad is the sports betting expert analyst for NBC Sports in Philadelphia, including during the network's BetCast for 76ers games. And he joins us now to talk NBA and more. Brad, welcome back to Gamble
3: On. Oh, great to be on, guys. Looking forward to talking to you guys. Excited to get some sports back, hopefully some good gambling back. So uh, I'm excited.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a suddenly it's a fun time on the sports calendar. And uh, as the as the NBA restarts with these eight regular season games, we currently have three prohibitive title favorites. The Bucks I'm seeing as high as plus 250. The Lakers as high as plus 260 and the Clippers as high as plus three thirty three. And maybe you've seen some even better prices, but that's about the best I'm seeing from there. It jumps to at least plus fourteen hundred for anyone else. On the one hand, the NBA is the chalkiest of the major sports. On the other hand, it's a pandemic, empty arenas. Maybe we should expect the unexpected. So which way do you lean, Brad? Does one of those favorites sound like a good number to you, or is this the time to be jumping on a long shot? And if so, which long shot do you like?
3: Well, Eric, you're so right, because in years past, the NBA is the most chalkiest sport. It is the hardest sport for an underdog to win best of sevens continuously and win an NBA title. It's almost impossible. But because of what you said with the pandemic, I was thinking to myself, gosh, is there maybe a team? Is there maybe something I can find? Because look, with a five-month layoff, it kind of is unprecedented. Who really knows what we're going to get? Uh, To answer your question, the one team that I actually think has a chance, based on the odds and the highest odds I've seen, are 28 to 1. And I I'm afraid to even say this and have you laugh at me because I thought this team was dead on arrival. But I think the Sixers, because of the, uh, there was, again, when, when Bryson Day and golf when he, you saw him, he added 40 pounds of muscle and now he's hitting the ball 400 yards, right? There was a fundamental change in his game. With the Sixers, similar kind of thing to me, Eric. You know, they're now putting Ben Simmons at power forward and they're putting Shake Milton at point guard. Is it going to work? Maybe, maybe not. But it is a change. And I think getting Al Horford out of the starting lineup, getting him and Embiid separated is a huge thing. Shake Milton's a really good jump shooter, which is what they needed also. I think it gives this team a chance. Um, I would probably say outside of Milwaukee, I think now they're this, the next scariest team. 28-1, I, I, I saw as high as 10-1 to, to win the East. Probably maybe slightly prefer that and not have to deal with the finals if they have to play L.A., either with the L.A. teams. But that would be the team that would, for me, would be the closest long shot because I think they have the talent, and I think by shaking everything up, it's not impossible.
2: All right. Well, it warms my heart, of course, to hear you uh, you say that. And and, and since yeah. you,
3: since you mentioned the Sixers, um, you are
2: the Ben Simmons three-pointer whisperer. You called it live on the air uh, seconds before he hit his first ever NBA three. So a quick follow-up, are, are we sure. going to see him shooting some threes when the league restarts? Like, should I be betting overs on those prop lines? Do you think? Well, I
3: mean, obviously, you know, we saw, you know, he shot two that, that, that first scrimmage or whatnot. Look, to me I think it's really important. It doesn't have to necessarily shoot threes, but if he could just shoot the ball. Right. <laughs> to me I think people put too much of a focus on it being a three. Okay. To me if he could just show he has a shot, it's going to open everything up just tremendously. It doesn't as long as they respect it a little bit. But to me the fact that he did shoot them, um yeah, I think it gives me a little bit of hope that maybe he's like for lack of better word, you know, like let's let's go with it, you know, let let me, you know, why not? You know, maybe he he had the time off, he was injured. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he does shoot. I'm not expecting to be a volume shooter, but maybe, maybe he does shoot one or two a game. Not impossible. So yeah, if you saw a bet, will Ben Simmons make a three? If I was getting like 10 to one odds or something like that, I would, I would take a chance on that because I think there is at least a 10% chance he does uh, make a three in the first game.
1: Yeah, now, Brad, I'm looking at a 22-1 to one shot on DraftKings in the NBA, and I'm thinking it's a sure thing. So, uh, obviously, I'm missing, some, yeah, I'm missing something here because I'm the amateur, you're the pro. Um, the Washington, Washington Wizards are going to finish in ninth place in the East. Yeah. They're five and a half and six games back with eight to play of Orlando and the Nets. But um, the Nets are missing ha- literally half their team, um, and they get, they, they get a first-round pick if they miss the playoffs, but they get to the give it away if they, if they make it. So, they don't want to make it. Um, so with them not wanting to make the playoffs and they're missing half the team and the Wizards only have to pick up two games in the eight game set to qualify for a play in tournament. So um, how are the Wizards 22 to one to make the playoffs when all they got to do is pick up two games against a decimated team and then play them uh, in this little mini tournament
3: and presumably
1: maybe beat them there too.
3: John, I love the question. Okay. To answer your question though, here's this. I would rather see you attack that. It's a little more boring and it's getting 22-1. Getting to one. I'd rather see you take the Nets under two and a half wins. The Nets mm-hmm. are under two and a half wins minus 110. To me, that's a better bet because, listen, let's suppose they play that plan, John. Let's suppose you're right. They, they make up the two games. Theoretically, just doing quick math on this, let's suppose the games against the Nets and the Wizards are 50-50. So there'd be a one in four chance of the Wizards winning both those games. Okay? So what that means is, is there, if you take one fourth times one fifth, that's about one out of 20. Is there a one in five chance the Wizards beat the Nets by two games? Well, right now, John, the Wizards over under sitting at one and a half games under minus 162. So they're saying there's a 63% chance the Wizards win zero or one games, let alone making up your two games. In my opinion, the math says there is not a one in five chance that the Wizards win plus two games over the Nets, because the Nets are supposed to win two or three. The Wizards are supposed to win zero or one. So for the Wizards to actually win by two, as opposed to they're supposed to lose by one, I think that's a very big long shot, John. If I was you, I would bet the Wizards over one and a half, getting a nice price. And I'd bet the Nets under two and a half. You're not going to make your 22 to one, but you could win both those. And then when you do, in the playoff thing, you could play – the wizards in both games there, and probably get not maybe twenty two to one, but you could still make a nice a nice amount of money if that were to happen. Uh,
1: I think you saw me. That all makes sense. <laughs> Thanks a lot.
2: <laughs> uh, was, all right. So let, let's turn our attention to to hockey, Brad, uh, which sure. starts again uh, this Saturday with the majority of the teams going straight into the playoffs. Is there a team this year that has some twenty nineteen St. Louis Blues potential? Um, and, and also uh, between hockey and basketball which sport are you more reluctant to bet on before seeing how the first couple of games go?
3: Well, good question. Eric. It, it's interesting because in hockey Eric, unlike when we talked about basketball, hockey is the sport where you can get that St. Louis blues team. It happens. It almost seems like it happens more than it doesn't like right. every year, you know, and, and I was immersing myself really looking at hockey and, and, and what I will, the team I took a stab on, I believe in my opinion, if you're looking to take that bet, I like the Western conference bear in the East because I think the East has most of the best teams this year, in my opinion. I, I, I think the East is the stronger conference of the two. I think you can make the argument the best five, six teams may all be in the East. So I looked in the West and the team I looked at, I, came, I took a shot on the Minnesota Wild getting 30-1 to one to win the West mm. just to reach the Stanley Cup. I got them at 30-1 to one to win the West. They've been a pretty decent offensive team, but their goaltending has been a little bit of the issue. But at 30-1 to – um, I think it, it merits a play, and I don't think there's any team in the Western Conference, whether you're playing Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, I don't feel like, I don't think that there it's an automatic win for those teams, whoever they play. So I think if you want to take a long shot, I think any team in the West getting 25 to 1 or higher, whether it be the Coyotes, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, the Minnesota Wild, uh, Calgary Flames, I think you can argue any of those, Eric, have a lot of value. And in terms of Am I more scared uh, to bet the NBA or NHL? What I'm looking forward to doing, Eric, is live betting, specifically mm. in the NBA. Um, look, we don't know how what these guys have been doing the last five months. I'll tell you who knows. The only people who really know right now are, are the coaches, the coaches and the players. And I, anyone else who tells you they know how things are going to be, they're just wrong. And I can say that pretty matter of fact. The coaches are seeing how these guys have looked every day. They know if their team is – cohesive if it's not cohesive if they're struggling if someone's out of shape but when the games start you're going to see how it goes and in my opinion live betting is going to be a good bet in the sense that i think there's a better chance what we see is how it's going to end for that game for example let's suppose we see a five-point favorite that is down by 15 points most times you know they'll, they'll skew it the live betting line eric where that five-point favorite's going to have to come back you know, and, and they'll, they'll maybe make the game line. If the team is a five point favorite and they're down 15, maybe they'll make the interactive line seven and a half. And, and, and I would say the team, the five point underdog that's up 15, has a better chance of holding on and keeping that 15 point lead because maybe that five point favorite shouldn't be a five point favorite mm. because if someone's out of shape, they're just not cohesive right now. I think this is the chance, Eric, we'll see that these lines are not sharp. Because no one knows, you're just doing your best to guess. So for me, it's going to be interactive betting, not so much in hockey, but more so in basketball. I'm looking more forward to seeing how it goes because I think that there's going to be some good live betting chances for me there.
2: And and really watching the games, huh? Because you know there are
3: some betters who eyes. like
2: just go by the. They're all about the numbers or whatever. You're saying in this case, it's 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 really watching the games and seeing what's happening on the court.
3: I really I really believe that, Eric, and I really think if you're not lazy. You do the work, you actually watch the game, trust your eyes. And if you see something, and again, for example, there could be a lot of great players that just, they're, they're, they're not right. It's going to take them maybe a week to get back into their form or two weeks, or maybe they won't, which is why when you asked before, is there a good long shot just to win the title? It's, we've never seen this before. We've never had a five-month layoff like this before. So I, in my opinion, as opposed to betting pregame, I would, do, I would really focus on live betting, See, like trust your eyes if you if Joan B and we see him beat and if he looks like he's you know out of shape you know maybe the Sixers aren't a good play right mm-hmm. or if he looks really good and the Sixers look like they're they're clicking then maybe this new lineup with Shake Milton at the point guard and Ben Simmons at the power forward maybe Brett Brown's uncovered something maybe this is now an elite team and not that 28 to 1 team that Vegas is pricing him at so I would trust your eyes and do the work and, and, and instead of being lazy and betting a game just before the game I really would watch because this is to me the best opportunity we'll have for, for, for the I can remember would be right now.
1: So it's just about uh, one week ago, uh, Brad, that I was kind of musing about whether you might be speculating on baseball futures that the best run teams like the Yankees, Dodgers, uh, Cardinals, and so on, would probably, they do everything right, right? They're everything across the board, and they're going to do COVID-19 right. And then teams (laughs) like the, oh, I don't know, Marlins, um, they they do everything wrong, and that they might screw up and and lose lots of players. Well, they apparently had some kind of a kegger or Greco-Roman wrestling tournament or something. We don't know the exact (laughs) details yet, but uh, that's gone out. But I guess my question is a little different though at this point because uh, I realize for a professional better you're putting in a lot of time and effort to try to to find the, the the little nuance that gets you just ahead of the game and I'm wondering uh with Major League Baseball status at the moment is it really worth it for you guys to put that time in when the whole thing might be upended a week from now and it'll be all be over
3: yeah John it's funny it's such a great question for you because when the whole Marlins thing happened exactly what you just said exactly what you just said went through my head I'm like God, I put in all this work, put in all this prep, doing everything, 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 and it just takes one thing. Now you asked a question, which is good. Would it? Is this an organizational thing, or is this not an organizational thing? My look, it's anything in life. If you smoke, there's a better chance you're going to get lung cancer, right? If you don't smoke, there's a better chance you won't. Doesn't mean you know. You're just putting your odds better by not smoking. To me, same thing with the organizations. Better organization, better chance of something bad not happening. But John, with this COVID thing. I feel like it just takes one person, one person to be selfish, one person to say, you know what, I'm going to go out tonight, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and then he spreads it to the rest of his teammates, the rest of his team, and whether you have the best organization in the world, and someone does that, what, do you, what are you going to do, but I put in a lot of, look, I, I put in a lot of bets with, the, with baseball, especially in the longer shots, like my two biggest positions, one started off good, one hasn't, was the Reds at 66-1 to and the Padres at 60-1. to The Padres have started off pretty good. The Reds have started off poorly. But I think this is a year where I love, especially with the 16-team format, John, in baseball, I love taking the underdogs more because best of three series in opening round, I don't care if you're the Dodgers or the Yankees, the Kansas City Royals or Detroit Tigers, can beat you in a best of three. It's not even that hard. It's not like basketball, baseball. So um, better organizations clearly do have a better chance, John, but like you said, you could just get the randomness of COVID and all the work that you put in. And that's, I've been thinking about this for the NFL. Like I put, I have like 20 season NFL season win bets. Suppose I take an over on a team and 27 players get COVID and all, did that mean I was wrong? No, but I'm going to have a losing bet because of things that are out of my hands. So it's a little bit of a conundrum, but I'm just doing my best to hopefully have the odds in my favor and hopefully uh, have as little randomness uh, deciding it as possible.
1: Yeah, well, you, you did a lot of work in the preseason, as you say. You already got your bets in. But now that we're here, normally during the course of the season, I'm sure you're you're, uh, you're continuing a lot of work in. You know, oh, Would you put as absolutely. much work in on, on analyzing baseball now in this climate, or do you hesitate a little bit because, like you said, the whole thing may be upended in, in one day?
3: No, John, no, I'm definitely – no, I'm putting in all my work now. because and, Until – until it if it is upended, then obviously I won't. But until it is, no, I have to go all in. I have to go all in and assume that everything's going to be good because I'm doing it every single day. I'm betting games every single day. So, no, I'm still – I'm doing all my work. I'm doing all my work. But it's definitely – what's a little interesting this year, John, is a lot of the sports books this year, and I'm not sure if you guys have spoke about it on your show yet, have switched the bets from listed pitchers to action. Are you guys – from? yeah, so it's been like right. a – of some of yeah, you know, a little bit of a change where, um, I don't like that personally. Some people do, some people don't. But for example, Clayton Kershaw, like the opening night, got scratched right beforehand. Uh, Steven Strasburg got scratched right beforehand. So if you took the, the Nationals getting a short price against the Yankees and then they're pitching their reserve pitcher that's not Steven Strasburg, you're not feeling so good. So, and I've seen a lot of last minute pitching changes which have scared me because. I want to know what I'm getting. Like I, I I'm. Not, I don't like the guesswork. Again, I'd rather have as much information as I can, and if I'm wrong, I can live with it. But when you put in a bet and there's off pitchers, it's been more challenging, John, because there's been already. You could see all the players being out, and you know pitchers being scratched, hitters being scratched. Like Juan Soto for the Nationals right beforehand, not playing. These things are going to unfortunately going to be part of the new norm. Um, and if you're going to be a professional gambler, you have to accept it and adjust. No one's going to feel bad for you. And uh, I'm just doing my best. And everyone out there, I would just say stay on top of the news. And if you feel like you have to wait a little bit to put in your bet closer to post because you don't want an off pitcher, I understand that. Or, or play with the sports book, which offers listed pitchers if that's what you want to do. But no, I'm still following this, John, 100% mm-hmm. until the season gets shut down or whatnot. And hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully, you see the bubble in hockey and in. Um, in basketball and in soccer, soccer's been doing well. My hope is that baseball is maybe the outlier in a bad way and that the other sports are able to to thrive a little bit more is my hope. Right.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a sports season and a sports betting season unlike anything we, we've ever seen before. So we're thrilled to have sports back, but it, it comes with a, a lot of asterisks and caveats uh, uh, this this summer into the fall as we try to just see what's going to happen with it, with all these sports. It's un- are you guys more, optimistic? More I'm I'm optimistic about those two bubbles you mentioned. I'm loving the yeah. numbers I'm hearing out of those. Baseball, eh, yeah. if you're giving me even money on will they or won't they get to the end of the season, I think I'm probably leaning that that they won't at this point. I don't right. know. Do you do you do you agree with that?
3: Greg? I, I think I think it's going to be I think if they get like another situation like the Marlins, they could be in trouble. I mean, maybe this yeah. is like the one Mulligan, so to speak. Right. But if another thing happens, it may, it may be really tough. And they're lucky, in my opinion. If this was a New York Yankees. You know, yep. but because it's literally probably the the thirtieth franchise out of thirty <laughs> right. that you would like, Okay, plus it's the state. It, it it maybe this is the one they can get away with Or What about NFL? What do you, do you think that? Are you optimistic about the? You guys optimistic about the NFL? I'll let, no. I'll let you
2: take that, John.
1: <laughs> no, not <laughs> yeah. at all. I mean, you got <laughs> no, you no. got uh, two three hundred and fifty pound guys. Uh, you know, breathing heavily on each other and knocking each other to the ground. Uh, there's I cannot see any way, and I don't even know how you can have any kind of face protection either, you know, that's breathable enough. I don't, right. I don't see it. I mean, they can try it. And the idea of college football is absolutely insane. Oh, I, I mean, the, the players aren't even getting paid, and uh, and they're taking these risks. And you know, I was just reading a story today. Again, obviously, mortality rate right? – among young people it's extremely low but they're infecting the grandparents that's what's happening absolutely people are going to these, these uh summer parties and they're they feel fine they come home kiss grandma and grandpa goodnight, and boom there we go so um that's that's the biggest risk and, and obviously some other players if they get it are going to be compromised you know uh most Regular people, if they have a 10% lung capacity reduction, you're not even going to notice it because you're not doing, you're not doing hard work anyway. Sure. But a, a, a high-level professional athlete, a 10% reduction means he doesn't get up and down Great the court point. as fast. He doesn't get open for a, for a, a pass. I mean, there's, there's so many things. They have to be at 100% peak capacity. And so even this sort of lingering annoyance for the rest of us is going to be, you know, career changing for some of them.
3: That's a great. No, I've not heard anyone mention that, John. I couldn't agree with you more. I always say the difference between these athletes is such small differences between good and great, between great and hall of fame, between average and good. Like everything is so small. So you're you're right. That 10% lung capacity could make someone who is good like not 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 be playable, or make someone who was great only be okay. And yeah. and because there are subtle small differences. And that's a that's a really good point that you said, and I think one that uh, no one's really discussed. But I think it makes a lot of sense. I
2: really do. All right. Well, hopefully you can turn that into a betting edge if we get some uh, some NFL football <laughs> games. Uh, it, is, it is always great talking to you, Brad. Uh, thanks so much for coming on again. And I uh, hope to see you uh, back on the air doing a 76ers bet cast soon. Maybe uh, maybe even the NBA finals.
3: Love it. Love it, guys. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. You guys are great. Really enjoy both of you so much. And thank you so much for having me. And both of you guys stay safe, okay? You too, that Brad.
1: That's good. Two men. Two men. Will they run it up
3: or blow
1: it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll.
2: Not a great week for our bankroll. We lost two out of three bets. Let's break it down. Uh, First, John, you had Paul Casey to make the top 20 at the 3M. He missed the cut, so uh, a loss of $100 there. But at least he spared you a a long, painful sweat. Uh, Meanwhile, I made two baseball bets. I had the Orioles for $50 at plus 200 to upset the Red Sox in their opener, and the Cardinals for $100 at minus 200 to beat the Pirates. The Cardinals bet was a winner, so $50 profit. The Orioles bet was a loser, Uh, but I like the methodology. It was based on the Red Sox being a subpar team this year. And indeed, after beating the O's handily in that first game, they lost the two remaining games of the series and then kept losing their next two after that. So maybe a bit of bad luck on that. But anyway, my baseball bets broke even. We lost $100 overall, so we're up by $441. And we have $840 on hold in futures bets, leaving us with $9,601 available to bet with this week. And I'll quickly note that the boxing bet I made a few weeks ago, Eggington over Cheeseman, who could forget those names, uh, that fight is this Saturday. In addition to awaiting the results of that, we have enough sports now to go back to our standard two bets each per week. And I'm up first. And I swear to you, I had this bet in mind before Brad brought it up just now. uh, But now I feel even better about it. Brooklyn Nets under two and a half wins in the restart. Uh, Brad said uh, minus 110 price. Well, guess what? I found it at minus 109 points bet. Value, baby. Uh, (laughs) The Nets have a decimated roster. No Kyrie, no Durant, of course. Uh, No Dinwiddie, no Torian Prince. Their starting point guard is someone named... Chris Chiosa. Uh, they might still be favored in one game of their eight against the Wizards. Otherwise, Orlando twice, Milwaukee, Boston, Sacramento, L.A. Clippers, Portland. Even if they beat the Wizards, I still have a hard time seeing two additional wins for this Nets team. So let's bet $109 to win 100 on the Nets going 2-6 and six or worse during this mini-season.
1: Uh, yeah. You know, Brad talked me out of my Wizards angle by showing me that I was, I was too focused on how bad the Nets are and how decimated they are and not enough on how bad the Wizards are, too. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, either one. So instead, I'm going to pivot to his observation of the NHL Western Conference being kind of a well, wild, wild west. Um, mm. But I want to skip the first round long shots and instead go. 50 at plus 650, so a win of 325 uh, on the four-seeded Dallas Stars to win the West, not the Stanley Cup championship, but the West. Um, They have the goaltend to pull it off, and with any luck, they'll fall into the Stanley Cup finals uh, with my preseason cup pick, the Toronto Maple Leafs.
2: Oh, there we go. It could be a a double winner there. I like that. Um, As as someone who still knows nothing about hockey besides uh, being able to name a few of the flyers, I will just uh, assume that you know what you're talking about on that. (laughs) Um, So I had – Uh, one particular Saturday night boxing bet in mind for my second bet. Uh, But I'm going to have to pivot to a different Saturday night boxing bet. Uh, The Showtime Championship Boxing Series returns inside a bubble at Mohegan Sun Casino. And one of the main event fighters tested positive for COVID on Wednesday, shaking up the card a bit. They moved a guy from the second bout into the main event, had a replacement opponent added into that second bout. One fight that hasn't changed, is the opening bout, a rematch between Marcos Escadero and Joe George. They fought in November, and George won an upset split decision that he didn't quite deserve. Uh, Escadero should have gotten the decision. He seems the slightly better fighter. He's hungry. He needs the win now uh, in this rematch. And his promoter said flat out that if he doesn't knock George out this time, he's, quote, horse shit. Uh, And on top of all that, uh, boxing judges... Have a very human tendency in a rematch of a bad decision to lean the other way and give a makeup call if it's close. If rounds are close along the way, I think Escadero might get the benefit of the doubt. So add it all up, and I'm fairly confident Escadero will win. Foxbet has him as a minus 175 favorite. I think that's a good number. Not a great number, but a good one. I'd say anything up to about minus 200 is value. So let's risk $175 to win 100 on Escadero.
1: All right. Yeah, I'm going to go back to my PGA Tour golf, uh, which finally kicks off a very strong series of events with the World Golf Championship event in Memphis. So Forty five of the top 50 in the world are entered. It's a great, great field. Um, but we like sneaky value and young upstarts. That's been our winning formula and we should really stick with it. So I'm going to go with Brit Matthew Fitzpatrick at 100 to win 125 for a mere top 20 in a field of only 78 golfers. Um, and for a dart toss, we'll add Rory McIlroy at ten to win 115 to win the event outright. Nice odds there.
2: Okay, I like it. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble on. Thanks everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guest Brad Feinberg. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan, and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to USBets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And with that, John, please do your thing and take us out.
1: Yeah, Eric. If you've been watching MLB for the past week, and you I know you have been, um, you'll notice that even after the whole Marlins fiasco, players are still terrible at social distancing in a dugout, <laughs> on the field, just everywhere. Um, you know, my experience in covering every major sport uh, for many years was that baseball players were by far the dumbest of all professional athletes. Um, farting, fart jokes, towel snapping—they're <laughs> just a vulgar bunch, really. They really are. Um, and it doesn't seem as if times have changed at all. So I would suggest out there that don't get too emotionally invested in a baseball season that may not have a happy ending. And a full football season, too, strikes me as a pipe dream. Um, Having a college football season would be downright criminal, considering that players aren't even being paid. So, you know, rarely am I a Debbie Downer, but I think more rarely than that would I lie to my audience. So that's just how I see it. And with that, everybody, until next time, gamble on.